Hi there, this is Nicolette Richet, your host of the Eat Real to Heal podcast. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with a chronic degenerative disease and you've tried everything, every diet, therapy, medication, surgery, treatment, and you still can't get results, then this is the podcast for you. My guests, the research that we present, and my personal stories of helping hundreds of clients cancel surgeries, get off prescription medications, and even reverse their debilitating illnesses will inspire you to reclaim your health and to take back your life. Everything you learned in this podcast is about using organic, plant-strong, whole foods as medicine to reverse hundreds of so-called incurable chronic degenerative diseases. This podcast is a mix of real healing hero stories and in-depth conversations with leading scientists and doctors in the nutritional medicine realm. Sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. I am Nicolette Richet, CEO and founder of the Green Mustache Holding Company, which is comprised of five different companies. We have a charity that works with Indigenous communities. We have, um, and schools, of course, we have our chain of plant-based, organic, 100% whole foods, gluten-free, vegan restaurants. Um, We have Richer Health Consulting that brings you podcasts like this, as well as one-on-one consulting, um, a retreat center. Uh, We do coaching to train people on how to be nutrition and detox coaches as well. And coming back to the podcast bit today, I am so excited to welcome Alan Meisner, who is an author. He is a wellness coach. He has a podcast, 40 plus fitness. Um, We just did a call together not too long ago, did a podcast together when I was promoting my book. And we are here today to promote his fantastic book. Um, So the wellness roadmap, just give me a second here while I just go in and I'm going to read off my screen because at the end of the day, you're going to want to know exactly who this guy is because he's amazing. He's been doing this for a long time, helping people to eat real to heal. You know that that is the theme of our book, the title of our book and everything we do at Richer Health. Um, And I just want to just give kudos to Alan for all the work that he does in advancing this mission. So he's a certified personal trainer who provides powerful tools for middle-agers people. This is um, who we're talking to for this podcast and who want to live happier, healthier, and more fit lives. So Alan, welcome. Thank you. It is, is such an honor to be with you today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So we're gonna be going through a series of questions about your book. So I loved, thank you for sending me an advanced copy. I was so excited to read it, um, especially after my book had just come out as well. And what I love about your book is that it is niche definitely for those 40 plusers um, that are out there, which I never know if they're the new 50 plusers or 30 plusers, because <laughs> at the end of the day, I can't tell what's happening with our health in the world. Um, well, the base, the base point is we wanna feel younger. We wanna live our lives and we're actually realizing, well, wait, if, if you know, if I'm going to live till I'm 80, 90, 100 plus, yeah. I want to have wonderful memories. I want to enjoy that time. And so, whereas, you know, you used to think 65 was the oldest you'd ever get, you know, that's not happening now. Uh, it might again, if we don't take care of our health, but we have options. We have so many options in front of us to, to move more, to eat better, uh, and to be happier. And we just have to seize those. And, and most people, as they start reaching their 40s, and we call it the midlife, um, then they're, they're start, we're starting to make those choices. We're starting to turn around and say, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I can't, 
I can't be that 20 year old, 20, 30 year old. I'm now in my forties and myself in my fifties, I have to be smarter. Right. And fortunately we have the wisdom uh, to be smarter. So I, I put this book out there to kind of teach people a, a roadmap, if you will, of how they can get the information that they need to build that smarter path. Right. And I love that it is a roadmap because at the end of the day, we have so many people who are looking for like the one hit wonder. They're looking for the one pill that's going to do it all. Like maybe it's the cookbook. If they buy that cookbook, they'll start cooking healthier. And in this roadmap, I mean, I love that you talk about, you know, you talk about persistence. You talk about the fact that you do have to work hard at this. You're going to have to do some preliminary work um, as well, particularly, um, you know, to understanding like, what is your why for getting healthy? And I think that is so important. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to know the why for your business. But of course, you have to apply that same mentality to the why for doing anything for getting healthy. We're going to talk about habits after this. But if you can jump into the why part, and if you can tell us the story about, I mean, I from reading your book, I get the sense that your why was your daughter. Would you say that's correct? Yes. Could you tell it, us was, it, it was, it was, it um, was. I've got to go back just a little to kind of talk about, okay, I, I grew up feeling like I was an athlete. You know, I always doing different athletic things, running this or doing that, playing football, running up to running mar- ultra marathons, up to playing semi-pro volleyball. Mm-hmm. And I was 39 years old down in Mexico. I was, I was doing really well with my career, but the rest of my life was not mm-hmm. well. I was unhappy, I was unfit, and I was unhealthy. And can you tell yeah. us why or how you got into that place? Like being, because a lot of us, I mean, I was, I played tennis in the States and I played collegiate tennis at a varsity, you know, level university. Um, I was fit, I was healthy, but can you, you know, a lot of us have been athletes well, and then tell us what happened. How did you get And, and this is, and I'm not going to say this is just a male thing because it, it, it can go both ways. But I think for men, we often think, well, I, I'm the breadwinner. That's my, my job now, you know, I'm married, got a kid. I'm supposed to be providing. So I need to have the career track. I need to be pushing myself on that path. The problem was I got so singular focused on the path that I built a great career. I was really, really good at what I did. And I was very successful, which is why I was able to buy a timeshare in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico at an all-inclusive resort where I went and said, okay, I have to take a vacation. I'm working, I actually was working for a timeshare company at the time. And I said, I need to go somewhere where I can actually relax and get myself back together. And I was sitting there and they had sand volleyball on the daily activities list. When I, we checked in, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. I want to go play sand volleyball in the morning. It's been you know, 10 years, 15 years since I've played. So I, I went out there and um, started playing. And two games in, I, I was so out of breath and my heart was beating so fast. I was like, I, 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 I got to stop. So I, I, I subbed out and that's not me. I mean, you know, I, I just like, okay, this is what happened to me? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of made that decision there. I'm like, I've got to fix this. And I, I took a picture of myself and I, and I shared it in the book. Uh, it's not flattering. Uh, don't ever do uh, a profile picture of your whole body uh, without a shirt. Uh, if, if you don't want to see a real picture of who you are as a human being, because the pictures I put in the book are, are not flattering at all. I'm not happy about that moment in my life, but I, I recognize that moment was a pivotal point in my journey. Yeah. Now you flash forward eight years later, which is what I'm trying to help with this book is how can I shorten that eight years 
to something much shorter for you because it took me eight years to put this all together when I'm laying in a hotel room. I was actually in Malaysia and I was hungover and fat and unhappy and unhealthy. And I had a conversation with my daughter the day before and she was just so excited about CrossFit and this little thing they were going to do as a competition thing. And I was thinking, you know, I'm watching my daughter be the person I was and the person I want to be. Right. And I'm watching. And I'm not participating. So while she's excited to tell me about it and I'm excited to hear about it, I'm like, I'm losing a part of me that I really don't want to lose. And that's the life with my daughter, me being able to be there with her. So it was kind of at that moment that I, I went ahead and said, you know, my why is not just my daughter. I want to live longer for her. But it's like, I want to actually be in the game with her. I want to be able to walk into a CrossFit and do a CrossFit workout with her. I want to be able to go into a, a mud run with her. I want to do these things. Now, that morphed over the, the next two, two and a half years to where I said, okay, we're going to do a Tough Mudder, which is a 12-mile run through the mud with obstacles, completely crazy, uh, but fun when you have the physical conditioning to do it. So it was a slow eight years of almost nothing, no benefit at all, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then all of a sudden, it's like click. I have a why and I have a vision. Right. And then 11 months later... And value, yeah. right? Principles yes. of value. Like you valued yeah. family time, it sounds like, with your daughter as well. And but not just sitting in the stands watching her. Exactly. No, I wanted to be on the, on the ground with her, you know, and, and hanging with her. And I can tell you right now, I still have that same passion that when my grandchildren, which we only have one right now, but when they're old enough to be able to do whatever crazy thing they're going to be, I mean, because we didn't fathom mud runs when I was a kid, whatever they're going to be doing as they grow up. I, I want to be there. Unless it's a video tur- game tournament, then no, I'll just sit and watch. But uh, if they're out there doing something crazy and fun, I, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just be a spectator. Exactly. And that piece, I think, about um, a lot of us, I think, in this day and age, but with all the apps that are out there and everything is online, we have become spectators. One of the stats that I heard is that just recently is more and more people now, more than ever before, actually eat out and they're eating fast food so maybe fast casual um it might be a little bit better than you know the mcdonald's and and kfc i don't know if you have kfc down there maybe a little bit but not much better (laughs) Um, but despite all the food porn that's out there despite all the cookbooks despite despite all of the um tools that we have to teach us how to eat well or how to exercise well or how to be mindful we have people more than ever who are actually doing the opposite and i don't know if it's because we've moved into being a spectator, like a person who sits on the bleachers and watches the Olympics as opposed to wanting to strive to be, you know, in the Olympics or, you know, participating in the sport. And, um, and I know your book gives you that roadmap to transition people out of the bleachers and onto the playing field, which is what I absolutely love. So you also did Tough Mudder as well, right? Yes. And had you ever done anything like that before? Well, my, my daughter and I did a, um, we, we went out and I did a, um, I, it's a warrior dash, which is like a 5K. And then, so sort of the same thing, but much, much easier. And we had done one and then we did another one. You know, there's pictures in the book to show you each of the pictures from those. But um, 
I was sitting there in March and my daughter and I had such a good time doing this, this, you know, little mud run thing. It was a 5k mud run thing. And at that point I was fit enough to do that, but was not, you know, anywhere near the condition I needed to be, to be the person I wanted to be. And I just said to her, I said, you know, we should do something tougher and let's, let's do a tough mudder. And so this was March when I'm sitting at probably at that point about maybe two, 235. And I'm only 5'11". So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of weight for my body uh, where I was. And so I said, okay, well, let's do a tough mutter. And she said, okay. So I signed us up for the tough mutter. I went ahead and just, I, I, I applied. I just put the money in. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm potty in. I'm, I'm paying for it. And I started training. And I knew I needed to build strength to be able to do the obstacles. I needed endurance to be able to go the 12 miles and, and keep the energy up the whole time. And I needed to lose some body fat, not from the perspective of that I wanted to look like anything, but it's just that's extra weight I got to carry 12 miles and it's not doing me any good. So I, I need to kind of get rid of that too. And I changed the way I ate. Um, I'm not going to say I went vegan or vegetarian or anything like that. Everybody has to pick their own eating style that fits what their needs are. Uh, but you experiment with that and you figure out the kind of things that actually work for you. Um, I lost another uh, basically 35 pounds a lot in in 11 months uh i remember my daughter getting off the plane and she's like you got skinny um yeah well yeah but the more important thing was okay and and you know as we were coming up on the finish and at the end of the tough mudder one of the things about the tough mudder is they like they like the you get in cold water get electricity that kind of stuff they play with stuff like that so the last stop one of the, the next to the last obstacle was this electric cable thing. So there's all these little wires hanging from, from this thing and you're supposed to run through it. Now there's electricity running through those. So, um, you know, we come up and there's all these grown men. I mean, they're in their twenties and thirties, you know, just buff men just standing there looking at this thing with trepidation, just terrified. And I told my daughter, I said, just run around them. She's like, what? I said, we're not going to wait. We're just going to go. And we ran around. So she ran around one end. I ran, we, we met in the middle, grabbed hands and we ran through those wires together. And Yes, I almost fell, <laughs> but I kept going. You know, they had watched so many people fall face first, try to get up, fall down again. And so they were all terrified. My daughter and I ran through it. We made it through it. We finished the race. And, you know, again, that was my celebration. That was the, that was the image of me, the, you know, the vision of what I wanted to be when I first started this trek. And it's so important to have that at the beginning, right? When you're doing yeah. anything is you have to look forward and be like, what is it that I want to step into? What's that outcome I want to achieve? What's it going to look like, taste like, feel like? Now, some people might have thought like, hey, you know what? You probably had a really good relationship with your daughter. So it was really easy for you to be like, yeah, let's just do this together. Not everybody has those close relationships. Um, and was your, How old was your daughter at the time? Uh, she was 20. Yeah. Okay. So, I yeah. mean, that's one of those ages, you know, where it is. you know, it is. of teenagehood. So, I mean, what's your rela okay. relationship like before and how is it now as a result of you, um, you know, that being your why and you doing these activities with your daughter? Well, my daughter still now thinks of me the way she did. Not, not necessarily, okay, not necessarily the same way. I mean, you, you know, when you're first a parent, you're invincible. Your, your kid thinks you're the Superman and, and all of that. And yes, I, yes, I was daddy's girl because I only had a daughter at the time. So of course I was daddy's girl. I had to be. Um, so we had that going on. Um, I felt like I was able to be daddy's girl again, all over again. And I, I know that's, you know, it is what it is. And maybe you don't have that kind of relationship, but 
I can equate this to a whole different age, the way I'm looking at things now. Yeah. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Uh, you know, as we get older, we're watching our parents or maybe grandparents, if you're lucky enough to still have them around, lose their independence. And they're losing their independence because, well, the dementia is part of it, but that, I think that's diet-related in many, many cases. Yes, I agree. There's more and more evidence to show that that's self-inflicted. Um, we have people falling. You know, stats are, at a, when you're over 65, you're more likely to fall than almost not. Exactly. And when you do fall, uh, it's hospitalization, and people who break their hips are dead within a year. Yeah. The numbers are staggering. In the United States, 29,000 people a year die from falls. It's terrible. Over the ages. And so it's, the, it's a leading killer for people over the age of 65. And a lot of people and don't know. And it's preventable. That's the yes. that it's so, there's so many tools and, um, to preventing those falls, like everything yeah. from diet and just how we, you know, exercise and just, you know, proprioception exercises. And, you know, and that's the sad thing is that it's 29,000 deaths a year that are preventable. Yes. So... As I look at it and say, okay, if you're looking for a why, it's, well, you want to be independent. Yeah. So you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 30s, 20, wherever you are, just realize that you have the capacity right now to stay independent longer by starting the trek today. Be it the food you choose, the exercises you do, and, and don't think of them as exercise, think of them as training. And so you can laugh at yourself and saying, I'm training to be able to wipe my butt when I'm 105 by doing side shuffles and body weight squats. But that's exactly the things that you won't be able to do when you're 105 if you're not doing them today. Exactly. And, you know, that really makes me think about um, you have this, um, it has, we call it a system, I guess. It's called the GPS, um, yes. which is an acronym. Um, you know, the first one is grounding, and I'll get you to talk about that in a minute. The second one is personalization, but the third one is self-awareness. And that's the part where, and I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but I wonder in this day and age, how much self-awareness uh, people have. You know, we're so influenced by the stuff we see on social media that sometimes I wonder if people are losing touch with that. So what I'd love you to do is, number one, talk about that part of GPS and then go yeah. backwards and talk about the uh, personalization and the grounding. But also if you can give some more examples of people's why, because I think it'll actually help. A lot of people will not, I know a lot of audience members are going to be like, that is such a brilliant idea. Exercise with my kids and, you know, train with my kids. And it, it accomplishes many, many things. It's that um, keeping a strong body so you can wipe your butt when you're 107. It's um, developing an intimate, deep relationship with your child that you might be craving um, and need to rekindle. Um, you're getting fit uh, so that you can run around with your grandkids. You know, it might be to reverse heart disease. It might be, I mean, there's so many different whys, but you've worked with so many people, right? Like you're a coach um, and you've worked with people who've been in bad states, when they yes. come to you. So can you share some of the examples of the whys that have um, motivated them and also how you help them to discover their why? I think that's another piece. Okay. Well, again, we're going to start with this self-awareness. So we're going to work backwards through this thing. Um, I decided I wanted to get in shape. I was watching uh, Sunday morning TV. I was traveling a whole lot. I mean, a whole lot, like 90%. And I was like flipping channels between Face the Nation and infomercials and the insanity videos came up with Sean T and he is fit as anybody you'd ever care to see 
really nice guy, just someone who's very motivating. And I'm like, I love this video. I love it already, you know, and I'm watching people behind them and they, they're doing their thing. And I'm like, and they're not using weights. I said, this is, this is better than P90X. It's better than anything else I've ever seen. I'm going to buy this video set. So I'm on the phone ordering the DVD set. So it kind of dates me a little bit. Yes, it was a DVD set. Um, <laughs> so I get the DVD set and I, you know, clear the couch out and I, I go to do the, uh, the benchmark test. It's just the test, the fitness test at the beginning. And I do the fitness test and I push myself through the fitness test. And the very next morning I'm, I'm laying in my bed and it really feels like someone had strapped me to the bed and beat me with a baseball bat. I'm just, I that feeling. I'm just hurting so bad. I, I, I actually had to call him sick for work, wow. you know, cause I just, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself at work. I was just, it was done. And so what I had not done was I didn't have the self-awareness to know that I, I had physical limitations that, you know, 45 years old, which I think I was at the time, I just wasn't capable of doing what Sean T was asking me to do. I had not built myself up to that point. So having an understanding of what your physical limitations and capacities are is, is very important. So do some testing, do some things to understand. Okay. If I've been completely sedentary, I can't expect to run a 5k next weekend. You know, and I made that out. mistake so many times because I actually, and I'm sure a lot of people do. I mean, even though our body's aging, our mind is kind of still a 24 year old, or yes, you know, it is. so I still see myself 17 as like, for me, but <laughs> right, exactly. And so I still see myself as this fit climber and a tennis player, and you know, and a runner. And I used to run miles, and then I'll go out there and be like 17k, that's easy, and then pull out my hip and then can't run for three more months. So it's really imperative that people do that um, baseline assessment once they want to get back into it. And, and, and yes. it's, it's data collection, right? Like you're just like, hey, I'll find out where I am today. So and that's the whole point with the GPS. You have to know, if you want, want to know where you're going to go, you got to know where you are. Exactly. So let's put our, let, let the computer, let your computer, your brain tell you, where am I today, really? So that I can make the best first step. Now, the next one is harder. The mental limitations and capacities are a little harder to figure out because that's reflective. That's something that's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. So perfect example, and I use this in the book, uh, they used to bring, I used to live in a place in, Ar place in Arkansas that they had this thing called spud nuts. And it was basically donuts made with potato flour. So potatoes are already the most high GI thing you can put in your mouth practically. And now they've made flour out of it, which just, I can't even believe, I can't even imagine today what that does, what that did to my blood sugar when I ate a spud nut. But it's basically a, a donut made from potato flour. Deep fried? Deep fried. Okay. Delicious. But again, complete poison. But they were so good that when people, came, when they brought them to the office, it was like sharks coming, you know, it's just, you know, everybody's on them. And so I just realized, okay, that's, that's something I can't, I can't be around. I'm, I can't say no when I'm around it. So I have to understand myself to say that's a, that's a limitation. I can't go in the break room if spud nuts are in there. Yeah. Even if I, I want to go get a water, I, I, you know, I know on Fridays they typically bring spud nuts. So let's bring a bottle of water, a big bottle of water to work because I don't want to go in the break room until they've cleared out the spud nuts. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing too, because he really speaks to the, 
you know, in whether for you it was an addiction or not, but our animal brain, I mean, it craves things and it, it's wanting yeah. them now. And so you have to know what those, we will call it a weakness, but it, it is, it's because it's not our will. It's not our own self that's making, it's actually this animalistic part of our brain that wants that and actually will do everything to force your physical body to go and grab it. So if you know yeah. that mine used to be salt and vinegar chips, so I get it. Um, so if they're in the house, I will literally, you know, beat you up to go get them um, <laughs> if you're trying to withhold them for me. So, I mean, you have to know what those are. And then what you do is just similar to what an alcoholic would do. It's like, there's no alcohol in the house. There's, um, you know, I stay away from bars while I'm trying to sober up and meet maybe for the rest of your life. You have to treat it um, like an addiction and you have that, that self-awareness is critical. Yeah. And so you get that kind of self-awareness and that really is going to help you going forward because now you know where you're starting from and all the things that you do, the strategies and tactics you choose are going to then kind of have that, that bit of a base that's going to help you stay the course and get back on course when you need to. So the personalization, I look at it from this perspective, you and I might work at the same office, but we live in different parts of town. So your route to work is going to be very different from my route to work. I might have further to travel than you do. So we might have the same vision of what we want to do. You and I decide, hey, we're, we're going to do this Spartan race, uh, Spartan Super in Toronto in, you know, nine months time. But you might be closer to being able to do it. So your training is going to be potentially very different than my training. So you go through this whole point of, of personalization. You say, okay, well, you know, 90% of the people that walk in and talk to me is they want to be a client. They want to lose weight. Yeah. And I'll be like, well, weight is actually just a side effect of being healthy. So let's not focus on the weight. Let's focus on, you know, the girth of your stomach. Let's focus on how fast you can move a mile. Let's focus on what your blood work looks like. Uh, let's focus on your energy level and how you feel when you wake up in the morning and how well you're sleeping, what your stress level is. Uh, if we get those things going, the weight loss is really just, like I said, a side effect. So by having multiple measures that are not necessarily easiest, weight's the easiest. You step on a scale, it tells you win or fail. Yeah. And we look at it that way, we feel that way about ourselves, and that's a terrible, terrible thing to have when you like step on the scale and it tells you you failed because you didn't lose any weight today, but then you go to the doctor and get a blood test and your cholesterol numbers and your triglycerides and your blood sugar and everything's looking brilliant. You're completely healthy. And then you're realizing I just PR'd on my 5k. Yeah. You know, th there's other health markers out there that you want to wrap your mind around. So the personalization or what are the things that matter to you that you can measure besides weight that will tell you you're on track. And it's such a hard one because at the end of the day, I know with my clients, like they come to me with chronic disease, they need surgery, they've been on terrible meds, they're in chronic pain. Um, and for them, their life is actually on the line. And so, you know, we teach them how to do this metabolic nutritional therapy. You guys can listen to the podcast um, that Alan and I did um, for his podcast, you know, to learn what that entails. We do eat a lot of potatoes, by the way, um, but they're never deep fried. They're always, and it's really for the yeah. nutrient source that are in there um, to restore that nutritional deficiency. But the byproduct of doing this therapy is you lose 
weight. If you have weight to gain, you'll gain it. So people who are underweight, and if you have weight to lose, you lose it, even though you're eating almost 6,000 calories a day, which debunks the whole caloric myth. But I see it with my clients. They're the most excited. Like they've just overcome a chronic disease, but guess what? They're most excited by the fact that they lost weight. And if I were to sell it as a weight loss program, everybody would do it. Um, but you know, it is, you, we have to look beyond that. And your book helps. It gives lots of examples of how people can look beyond just the weight loss for those other motivators, right? And allow those yeah. other things to be um, the driving forces, which are such a better indicator of health. Like, you know, um, you know, low, low cholesterol levels, low, you know, I mean, all of them, you know, great heart rate, everything um, is a you have to consider much more sophisticated measures than just weight yeah. loss, which doesn't everybody tell you. Loves, everybody loves a simple thing. Everybody loves yeah. calories in, calories out. Uh, yeah. Look at the scale. That's a single number. Yeah. Uh, but life is, our bodies are so much more complex than that. It's, 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 exactly. It has to go further than that or you're, you're missing the big picture of health. Yeah, exactly. And then to take you back to GPS, yeah. I mean to the G. Self-awareness okay, so and G is grounding. G is the, is the grounding. Okay, grounding is the most important part. Because grounding is where you're deciding where you want to go and why. Okay. Um, I went on to Google and I, I keyed in Philadelphia because the a colleague I worked with was from Philadelphia. And I just wanted to know how long would it take for me to drive to Philadelphia? It was 17 hours. Okay. I would have to have a pretty compelling why to drive to Philadelphia. And, you know, uh, it, it's a distance. And I think if, if you don't look at this as a, a long-term journey, because uh, health is, it's, it's, you know, you're always going to have things happening. Things are going to be going good and things are going to be going bad and you're going to have family issues. You're going to have these other things. So it, it is, it's a, it's a long journey that we start ourselves on to say, I want to be as, as well as I can be. And so we, we want to sit down and put up a vision in front of ourselves that one, we know is overall attainable in our entire lives. But the other side of it is we have to have a really good reason for why. And so I'll, I'll give you a couple. I had a, a guest on the podcast. His name was Todd. Now, Todd had two little girls and his wife. And Todd ended up in the hospital for what he thought was just an infection. And as the doctors got in there and started looking him over, they found problem after problem after problem until the doctor walked into the hospital room and his daughters are sitting there with his wife and says, you're going to be dead in six months if you don't change something. And, how old and for a lot of people, yeah. And, and he's looking over his daughters and saying, you know, because they weighed him and he weighed almost 600 pounds. Wow. And so he's looking over his daughters saying, they're never going to know anything but a fat, sick dad laying in a hospital bed yeah. if I don't do something today. And they're not going to have pictures because I've never really let myself be in pictures. And they're not going to have a father if I don't, do something. Now, that why is a slap you in the face why. And Todd did brilliant things. He lost over 323 pounds in five years. Wow. Entirely different man. Now, he still had a long way to go, and he recognized it's a long journey. He didn't get to six, almost 600 pounds overnight, and it's going to take him a little while to get there. So he was working and, and still working. And then you have just other folks where I've, you know, a good friend I trained, his name is John. And he and his wife wanted to move up to Tennessee in the mountains. They love hiking through the mountains and just enjoy that part of the country. Um, but 
their big concern was, you know, John had a bad knee and she wasn't that healthy and they're both, you know, overweight and um, just didn't, they knew they didn't have the capacity to be able to, you know, do the hiking and things they wanted to do. So they wanted to do something about it. I brought them on as clients and I said, okay, but I'm only going to take you if I can have both of you. I'm not going to take John, I'm going to take both of you. And we started working. Now, all I did is it was very, very simple. I got them on whole food. Yeah. I got them focused on whole food. I got them on moving a little bit more. Now, for John, it was kind of easy. We, we worked through his knee problems. As soon as he cut out the sugar and I got him to moving right, got him good movement patterns, uh, John was fine. He could do squats. He could do everything. And his results were fantastic. In 10 weeks, he lost 39 pounds. Tammy had some back problems. As a result, she couldn't do the exercising, so she had to focus. We focused on her food, which, which actually helped John because, you know, John was cooking the food and you, she could only focus on the food. So as a result, she lost 28 pounds. Yeah, that's so it's not, like you said, it's not a calories in, calories out thing. It's a, it's a personalization. It's an understanding. It's an experimentation. And it starts from having an idea of what you want, your vision, and your why. You know, John wanted to have that lifestyle with his wife. Todd wanted to be there for his children and just, just to be alive for his children. I wanted to be an athlete and, and enjoy the things my children and grandchildren want to do. So your why could be entirely different. Whys are deep. They're emotional. And, and generally, they're fixed. Now, I, I, after I did that Tough mutter, uh, I did get married. And so I have been extended now three more kids. So there's four kids and my wife and you know, the two of us now we're going to move down to Panama uh, cause our kids are out of the house. So the two of us are going to go down to Panama and have a very active lifestyle down there uh, eating local food, uh, locally grown food, locally sourced food. Cause they don't have the, they don't have a McDonald's on the Island. They don't, <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have a green mustache either, but so we'll get one there. <laughs> <laughs> you can get in there. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't, have, they don't have any fast food on the island. It's, yeah. you know, it's locally sourced foods. So it's, it's going to be a brilliant place for us to be. Uh, it's on the Caribbean with no hurricanes. Um, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's, and it's a lifestyle choice because for me, uh, when we talk about the personalization, what, what are the things that are my holdback? My holdback was stress. Yeah. And so I was working a very stressful job, and you can get the book and read some of the most, some of the most stressful moments you're going to have as a, an executive in a business. Yeah, I had them stories, potent stories. Read you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, and I, I knew when I got laid off the last guy walking out the door being laid off as from this group, I was like, I, I don't ever want to sit at a desk like that again. I don't want to be the guy who tells someone this is your last day. Yeah. I don't want to hear the word headcount and know that this person just signed a mortgage three months ago. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I chose not to. Now that took some major sacrifices in other parts of my life, but I've decided that that's the most healthful, happy, fit thing I can do for myself. And I made that tough choice. And I don't expect everyone to, to be able to, distance themselves from stress when stress is their problem, but just recognize that there, there are solutions that will bring you closer yeah. and you just have to constantly be looking for those ways that are going to improve 
your health and fitness and wellness and, and it gets you moving in the right direction. And I think the biggest thing that you said there um, is that you made a choice. You know, you were active in um, co-creating with your partner also this future lifestyle of yours, like when you do move there. But, you know, when it comes to health, when it comes to wellness, I mean, it's looking at the limitations. So sometimes it's our community that's a limitation. And I'm actually starting to realize that now being in Whistler, British Columbia, it's like minus something degrees and I'm freezing. Uh, I just came back from Africa and I was like thriving in the sun and you know, I've been able to make it work and it actually has been completely fine. Like I have to go above and beyond to make sure that, you know, I'm doing all the things that make me happy in this cold community. Um, and then I love it of course, but you know, it actually made me realize I don't want to spend all my energy um, having to stay warm. I'd rather, you know, and so now we're thinking about the future and, you know, my husband as well is thinking about that. But at the end of the day, you can change communities. You can change countries. You can change jobs. Um, you can even change relationships. I mean, it sounds like you were divorced. Um, I was divorced. Um, and, you know, sometimes when a relationship isn't working, it isn't serving you and your, you know, your highest self, you can make those changes as well, especially after you've like lived through the stress of trying to make it work. And then you just realize, you know what, you can't, then you can make those active choices. And of course, there's always going to be trade-offs, right? Like there's trade-offs to leaving a relationship. There's trade to moving communities and there's trade-offs to um you know going and moving on to an island i think all of those trade-offs for panama is pretty great i'm <laughs> you I'll be your next door neighbor but yeah but you can make those big choices as well it's about making small choices and sometimes it's about making the big ones and you're both well, the woman that, the woman that owns the indian restaurant on the island uh, she's from canada so uh you'll have a fellow canadian uh on the island there but but no i you know it, I know that's not an easy choice. Uh, elimination is one of the ways that you can get yourself, get rid of stress. Elimination is a, a, a way to really get rid of stress. It's the hardest, yeah. you know, because change is that hard. Uh, so if that's not available to you, some distance, getting some environments where you feel safe and protected so yeah. you can at least break away for periods of time yeah. and let that stress not be there for that period of time, which I know is very, very hard to do, but that's kind of alternative too. And then the other alternatives are, okay, we've got to come up with some stress techniques to deal with the day-to-day -day stuff that's going to happen. So, you know, during the period of time, my last job, we were going through layoffs, the phone would ring and it'd be my boss. I could see his name on the screen. I'm like, Ugh. so yeah, immediately you feel like, like, Ugh. and then, so it's like, okay, I can't run to the gym and, and work this, this cortisol adrenal thing out. I've got this thing going on. I'm about to get in an elevator and go up and see him. I just start a breathing technique on the elevator. Yeah. Now I could have gone up the steps, but I would have gotten up the steps faster. So I needed the elevator to do the breathing. So whatever yours is, it might be just do the steps. If that works for you, I would get on the elevator and just close my eyes and start breathing. Exactly. By the time the elevator door opened up to take me two floors up, I'd step off the elevator and let all that bad feelings go out and I'd walk into his office and smile and say, what's up, John? Yeah. And, you know, take whatever, the news was of the day uh, with whatever was there. And, and so, you know, there are techniques and ways for you to deal with, with the things that are affecting you, uh, but your health affects not just you, it affects everyone around you. Exactly. And I, don't, I don't know if I can use this word, you can bleep it out if you want, but when I was unfit, unhappy, and unhealthy, I was a fat bastard. Yeah. I was not a nice person. 
to be around. And I recognized that. And it took me a while to turn that around to where I can say, look, my inward reflection of how I treat myself is affecting how I'm treating others. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I, I love everything you said just there. So one of the things I definitely want you to touch on, and I know you have a wonderful story in the book about this, but how do you stay committed? Like, so you know your why, you um, you know, you have the self-awareness, you set the goals, and you then have to leave your safe haven where like everything is planned out, the route from work to home and picking up the kids is all there and you know where your um, eating habits are and um, where your exercise routine is. But what do you do? when you're on the road traveling and I'm on the road a lot. So how do you um, explain and the book explained as well, but how do you um, stick with your routine while you're traveling and stay motivated while you're traveling? Well, it's going to come down to strategies. And so, you know, we, we, it's easy for us to create habits when we're at home. You know, the gym is close to my office or close to home, or in my case, it was both. So I made sure I had a gym close to my office and close to home. So I, I, I never had an excuse not to work out. Uh, so I set a bunch of little things in place around where I was, my normal routine, where it just was automatic. Everything just was automatic. The food in my fridge was food I could eat. There wasn't any food in my house that I couldn't eat. There wasn't anything. I, I, I didn't have to question or think about anything because everything was just sort of, that's just what we do. Now, yes, now I, now I get on the road. And, and I've, I've been someone who's traveled as much as 90% out of the year, which means just even a weekend at home was was. I felt good. I felt I'd actually sit and watch TV because I felt okay about taking a weekend off when I'd been traveling that much. So what it comes down to is, okay, one, you, you still have to keep that grounding in your head. Your wine, your vision are still there. They don't go away just because you go away. Yeah. They're, they're coming with you. So do a little bit of research. Take some time and say, okay, I'm traveling to this city. I'm staying in a hotel, what, what gyms are in the hotels or associated with the hotels. Don't be afraid to call their, the hotel and just say, hey, I'm, I'm coming down for two weeks. I, I noticed you have a little fitness center there. Do you, do you have any local gym memberships or, or complimentary passes to get me into another gym close by? Right. And what healthy food options are available? So if you're vegan, you can say, what healthy vegan food options are available to me close to the hotel? And they'll be willing to tell you. Uh, Dr. Google, you know, will do the same thing. They'll give you some information. So you just start taking down addresses and locations and kind of understand, okay, there's, there's variety, there's an opportunity here. There's going to be times when you realize, okay, whoa, I'm traveling to a place where that's just, that's just not functionally going to work for me. Guess what? You're limited to liquids you can have in your bag. You're not limited to vegetables and meat. So you can pack food in your luggage. You'll get weird looks at TSA, but just bear with it, you know, and say, okay, so I know, okay, when I'm going to travel and I'm going to be somewhere where I might struggle to have the kind of meals I would want to have, I'll pack some nuts. I'll pack some sardines. uh, I'll pack some, you know, apples or, or other things that I can have with me that are just going to be ready snacks. And so then I'm not in a position where I, I, I'm worried about a meal. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I think yeah. the piece that you said, so being proactive, definitely. I mean, that is yeah. a given. You have to be proactive. Um, I learned about the therapy I teach from, and he was at the time he was 72 years old and he used to drive across the United States back and forth. I mean, multiple dozens and dozens of times a year, public speaking. And he had to do this therapy, um, the Gerson therapy. And so he had to just call ahead and he would just call ahead to the Whole Foods and say, get all of these ingredients ready. And he would go in and pay and pick up the box already done. So being proactive, active, I think is also like, that's a given for sure. Um, and so you're going to have to do it people like, like Ellen's book says, I mean, there's going to be some work involved in here. This isn't a one pill solution. It's a roadmap. It's a wellness map. Um, and then, but the piece that I love that you said is, you know, if you don't have a disease and you don't have, it's not so critical that every, you know, ounce of food that goes into your body, um, which is curative for medicine, um, you can also just take a break. You don't have to necessarily, you can skip a meal. Fasting is not bad, but you know, don't um, beat yourself up. And if you have to take a break from your exercise as well, don't beat yourself up from it. Just be like, Hey, I'm taking a rest for these three days. Whereas I think we tend to do the opposite. We're like, Oh, I had all these intentions while traveling of like eating perfectly and exercising perfectly and not getting off my routine. But you know what? Sometimes we also just need a break as well. And so when you're traveling, I mean, you can do that as well. And you can substitute, maybe you substitute mindfulness for that rigorous exercise, or maybe you'll substitute stretching, um, or great sex even like, you know, it takes a off and you know, have great sex. Only if you're sex. traveling with your significant other. When but, you're traveling with your significant yeah, other, yeah. yes. Yeah. But, um, and, and so, you know, yeah. And I think you're right on that is, is just realize, okay. Um, you know, when we, when we start talking about fitness and, and I really want to emphasize this with folks is, um, fitness, you know, even though CrossFit says they're crowning the fittest man and woman on earth, uh, your definition of fitness doesn't have to equal that. My definition of fitness means I want to be fit to do the things I want to do. Yeah. And it could be very different from your level of fitness. As I get older, my level of fitness and what I'm looking at is different. So I could say, I'm going to spend time in my hotel room working on balance exactly. and mobility. And so I, I pack a, a, a roller or a softball even to, to basically work uh, my calves and my hip flexors and my back and just try to get myself more flexible, more mobile. And I work on my balance in my hotel room because they just don't have a gym available and I can't get out or I just don't have the time. It's like, you know, getting out and going to a gym and coming back. I've, I've done that. I've hired a taxi to take me 15 miles to just go to a gym because yeah. that was the closest gym to the hotel I was staying at. And it's fine. I, I got it done. Uh, it was $30 each way. Um, <laughs> but I got it done. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but just realize there are other fitness modalities. There are other things you can focus on during that period of time, be it uh, stress, sleep, yeah. uh, you know, other, right. other fitness modalities. Um, and then don't be afraid to experiment with food because you might go into a restaurant and try a local dish and realize that, heck, I love turmeric, and I'm going to put more turmeric in my food going forward because it's such a wonderful flavor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah flexibility is definitely, uh, no pun intended, um, but so important when we have um, 
you know, when, when, when life just takes us to other places, when we don't get to stay in our cocoon and have everything, you know, scheduled in our calendar perfectly. And so um, traveling, having kids as well is another time when, you know, all of a sudden our schedules and our routine all of a sudden become vastly different. And so um, exercising with your kids, I mean, I think we talked about that at the beginning, right, is, and it is it, something that you can do. And sometimes it's not always a pleasant experience until you develop a way of doing it. I know when I used to try and do yoga with my kids, they'd be crawling all over me. And then that's, not, that's fun. That's fun. fun. I had one, I had a client, Sandra, and she's, she was a grandmother and she said she's trying to babysit her, her, her grandchild. She said she's exhausted after just a few hours. And I'm like, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get down on the floor with your grandchild over this weekend. I said, just do this. I said, get down on the floor with them when they're on the floor. When they get up, you get up. I said, this is going to make you very tired. I said, but after you do this a few times, you're going to condition yourself and then you're not going to be nearly as tired taking care of your grandchild. So just sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to condition myself to be the person that I want to be this vision of myself. The grandchild sitting on the floor is your why you should not want a distance relationship of you sitting in a chair, watching them sit on the floor. You should want, and when you sit on the floor, it's going to change their lives. When all the other parents are sitting in, you know, all the other adults they see are sitting in chairs and you're on the floor playing with them, your relationship is going to be so much fuller that it's just going to blow your heart out. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, I think that um, I love that envisioning the person that you want to be. Who do you want to be? You know, the person who sits in the chair and watches from a distance, the observer on the bleachers, or do you want to be an active participant in life, um, being able to keep up with your loved ones, being able to keep up with your community members and neighbors and, um, and your partner as well. Um, I, I, I figure you're going to have a, you know, run for your money with your partner when you guys move to Panama and fitness is, you know, like, and I, you know, and I get that there's probably, and it's good to have a competitive streak too. Like that can be your why, like I'm a big so, um, and I love it because now my kids are climbing and they're doing yoga and, you know, if my daughter can hold a pose for two minutes, you know, plank pose for two minutes, I, I'm like, I want to hold that for two minutes too. And my why is this, I want to beat her because you know what? She's this healthy, fit, vibrant. And so she's that healthy, fit and vibrant and I can hold my plank for two minutes. It's going to mean I'm healthy, fit and, fit and vibrant. And so you know, my, and I, I'm competitive and I know that about myself and it's actually to use that as a, um, as a gift and a tool and an asset is incredible. Well, that's what we were talking when I was talking about the the self-awareness and the mental side, what your capacity is and what are the things that are going to drive you. And you're right. I'm a very competitive person. I did not want my daughter waiting for me in a tough mutter. So I had to be at a a given physical condition being 25 years older than her. Um, to, to finish the race. So it was, is that kind of mindset of saying, I don't, I don't want to be the one they're waiting on. I don't want to be, I want to be with them. Now I didn't want to beat my daughter yeah. uh, per se, but I did not want her to wait for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. No, not be my daughter, but it's nice when you set this challenge and you're like, you know, if I can do that, then I can, I can always do more too, which is the exciting yes. thing about it. Because and, and, but I also want to go from the, the uh, I do need to put this out there. We just realize, okay, my, my step was, I wanted something pretty fantastical. Uh, you know, not many 45 year olds need to be running tough mutters. So I don't want to put that out there that that should be your vision. Your vision can just be your ability to walk through the zoo with your grandchild as they run from the giraffes to the lions. And you just want to make sure you're not losing sight of them or having to sit on the bench 
and everybody leave you behind. So it doesn't have to be this ultra competitive, huge thing. It can just be being the grandma that you know your grandchild deserves or being the grandfather that you know your grandchild deserves or being independent as long as you can so your kids don't have the burden of either having to care for you directly or hire somebody or put you you know, somewhere at a very high expense rate. Uh, you want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself to be the best you you can possibly be under your current circumstances. Yeah. Alan, um, you've said everything so well. It's perfect. And you've given people so many tools um, to be able to just get started. Um, I just, uh, I'm going to get my hands on this, on your book, which I can't wait to get the physical copy because it's nice to have the advanced digital copy. Um, and, you know, we can't wait to promote that for you. Um, can you tell people where they can order your book from? Okay. It's obviously, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can also go to Barnes and Nobles or any other bookstore and ask them to order it for you. Uh, so you can go on there online or whatnot. It, you know, primarily everybody goes, most people go to Amazon to buy books. So I get that. Uh, you can go to Amazon, but even your local indie bookstore can, can order this book for you if you want to support your local indie, uh, which you should. Uh, they're working hard. And then, um, you know, they can go to wellnessroadmapbook.com and just learn more about the book and more about me. And then uh, I do the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast. So they can look for me there if you're over 40 and you want to coach or someone that's just literally, I'm, I'm, I, I, just like I am on this podcast, I'm that guy who is going to be that cheerleader, just tough enough to keep you moving forward, but not so tough that you feel like, oh my God, this guy's going to kill me. Uh, I'm going to push you as hard as you need to be pushed. And I do that through the podcast and I do it through training, uh, but I'm available to help anyone that wants to find wellness uh, in their form and their, and their vision. That's incredible. So we will have all the links below so that you can just click on them um, and access, you know, all of the great information that Alan puts out there. Um, and again, you know, with working with Alan, like choose Alan because of the fact that he's not just a trainer and coach. He's going to be like, get out there and do 20 push-ups, but he's going to actually start with, you know, creating the habits and, you know, helping you understand yourself and using all the principles in the books, like understanding, um, you know, the self-awareness, the mental self-awareness, the physical self-awareness, and so that you're doing it safely as well. And that, so it's going to last for a lifetime. So it's not just a two week program, but it's actually a lifelong gift that he's giving you with his book. Um, so Alan, we didn't get a, a ton of time here to talk about Whole Foods. And I mean, you're a huge advocate of Whole Foods, as you know, we are. Um, but, you know, any tips about Whole Foods and what that means to you in, you know, in the light of exercise? We talked a lot about fitness today. You know, I, I know this could sound weird coming from a personal trainer, but um, I'm going to be open and honest with you. Half of the battle is food. It's literally 50% of the pie of what we're trying to accomplish in all of this. Our fitness and our health and our happiness is all coming from food. If we do our food right, that's half the battle. And then we got about a 20 and 20 of stress and sleep. So if those aren't right, we're in trouble. 10% is exercise in my model. And, and so you're never going to outbattle the 50% with the 10%. You're not going to outwork your diet. So always focus on your food first. It's the easiest thing for you to control. You're putting it in your mouth or you're not putting it in your mouth. You're making that decision every single day. The time we spend in the gym is, is minor in comparison. I mean, when I'm training someone, I have maybe three hours a week with them directly and we're talking and we're doing their stuff and they're doing their exercises and maybe they're working out beyond that, but almost no one works out more than maybe seven hours a week total. Uh, 
there's 176 hours in a week. So, you know, the rest of it matters more. And you got to put it all together to get whole health and fitness. But in a general sense, start with your food. It's the most important thing you do for yourself. So well said. Okay, so everybody, just to recap, it's food, rest, your sleep, and your fitness. And that is what the whole health uh, roadmap is really about. Um, and Alan get, dives deep into that in his book. So thank you for touching on that, because I think that's really important, especially coming from, um, you know, an expert in the fitness realm, is that a lot of people truly believe today still that they can exercise their way out of a bad diet and out of disease and out of all of that. But it does start with food. Yeah. It does. So um, stay tuned for future podcasts. Ellen, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm sure we're going to have to have another podcast because I had about 50 other questions prepared <laughs> for you um, yes. and so many great nuggets in that book. But I'll leave it for people to um, order the book, learn directly from it and from you. And yeah, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast with us. Thank you, Nicolette. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And please let us know if you have any questions or if you want to provide feedback on any of our shows, contact us by emailing us at info at richerhealth.ca. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive information about our upcoming events, to learn more about the healing retreats that we offer at our Nutrition and Detox Wellness Center, and to get a copy of our latest book titled Eat Real to Heal, of course. Lastly, if you want one of us to do the cooking for you, just come visit us at the Green Mustache Organic Cafe in your neighborhood.